You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. Well, thank you for joining us for Fifth Sunday Sabbath. This is a special day for us here at Bridges Nashville. Every time that there's a fifth Sunday in the month, it happens four times throughout the year. We take a break from our series schedule to teach on one of the most important rhythms throughout all of Scripture, the Sabbath. And so today I would encourage you to go to our social media feeds on Facebook and Instagram and check out a resource that we've posted that is going to help you to get the most out of a fifth Sunday Sabbath. It's all about learning how to rest and rely on God. In his book, Essentialism, Greg McCown challenges his readers to discover what's essential, what matters the most in their lives, and then eliminate anything that doesn't add value to that. It's not just about getting more things done in less time. It's about getting only the right things done. And yet we live in a day and age that's all about one word, more, more accolades, more success, more possessions, more money. You know, funny thing, when it comes to more money, I've discovered this. We tend to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. And this drive for more has created a generation of workaholics. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with working hard and earning a living. But where it starts to do damage on our souls is when we tie our identity in with our work. Let me take us back to a time where everything was in perfect balance. There was no sin, no pain, no struggle with identity or with our value. This was at the Garden of Eden. And the Sabbath idea actually goes all the way back to the very beginning of our story, the creation story, where God created the heavens and the earth in six days. We don't know if those are literal days or more poetic, but we do know that God rested on the seventh day. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter two, verse one. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And here's where the Sabbath begins. And it's so important because God blessed it and declared it holy. Now, hang on to that thought. In the Garden of Eden, everything was in perfect rest in God and on perfect reliance on God. The Hebrew word for this state of being is called shalom. It's it's absolute peace and an absolute balance. You know, Adam and Eve, they're just chilling in their birthday suits. They're having fun naming all of the animals. They're tending to the garden. I mean, it was literally heaven on earth. There wasn't a care in their world. But shalom doesn't last very long. And in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. And with sin comes the very first curse. God tells the serpent who uh, tricked Adam and Eve, he told the serpent that he would forever crawl on his belly and that there would be hostility between the serpent and the woman's offspring. And this is really interesting because it's actually a foreshadowing of the gospel where one day Jesus would come to die on a cross and conquer sin and death and defeat the serpent once and for all. God then speaks to Eve and tells her that she's going to experience pain in childbearing and that she's going to be in a power struggle with her husband. That's another message for another time when we do a relationship series. But I want us to lean into the part of the curse that's directed towards the man, 
towards Adam. Genesis 3, 17 to 19. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Things get really morbid really quick. This is where struggle, sweat, and scratching enter the equation. You see, before the curse, it was kind of an all-you-can-eat fruit and veggie buffet in the garden, except for one tree, right? But one of the consequences of mankind sinning against God and not trusting in his goodness was that now man would have to scratch a living from the ground. You'd have to earn what you eat. And from this moment, we actually start to see that people are identified by what they do. Cain is a farmer. Abel is a shepherd. And isn't it our natural tendency to find our, our identity in our work, right? I mean, what's the first question you generally ask somebody when you meet them for the first time? Hey, what do you do for a living, right? And so let's fast forward in the story of the Bible to the book of Exodus. And as time progresses, the toil takes a toll. Generations later, this idea of shalom, this idea of perfect rest would be just a whisper, just a fairy tale that existed long ago. You see, for 400 years, the Israelites were enslaved by Egypt. And as a slave, there are no 401ks, there are no vacation or sick days. Uh, you're not just working for a living, you're working to be alive, right? No work, no life. And so Moses, the deliverer, comes onto the scene. And we don't have time to fully tell that story, but you've heard it before. He comes and he delivers the people out of Egypt and they head to the promised land. But there's a 40-year detour, and this is where the people of God have to learn and have to remember their identity. See, it wasn't just about getting Israel out of Egypt. It was about getting Egypt and the 400 years of culture, slavery, and false identity out of the Israelites. You see, Israel's identity at this time is as a slave, and they have no opportunity to rest. They never got to take a day off. And this is where God gives us the gift of the Sabbath. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And these aren't simply rules to abide by. God was actually giving Israel a cultural reset. This would be their code of conduct that would bring them life. Life as much as could be had before the coming of Christ, right? So let's read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy." Here again, we read that the Sabbath is blessed and holy. The Sabbath is listed alongside other commandments that we clearly respect and even culture gets, right? Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. This is so crucial that we can't afford to miss it. The Sabbath is a blessed and holy commandment. And here's what it teaches us, to rest in God and to rely on God. 
What is your ideal picture of rest and relaxation? Like what's your ideal vacation? For some people it might be a summer day on the beach. For others it's a day out in the cabins off grid. I know that's my idea of rest and relaxation, but most likely your idea is somewhere outside of your everyday life. You know, we tend to think of rest and peace as places we go to and not a state of being that can exist in our daily lives. But God has a rest for us in the here and now. Instead of thinking of rest and vacation and relaxation as things that can only be attained for a few days a year when you take off from work, what if you were able to live with a rhythm of rest? That's what Sabbath is all about. Listen, we weren't made to work nonstop and toil every day of our lives without recharging. You know, most of us these days have a smartphone, right? And some of us are a little too glued to our smartphone, right? Let me have a little bit of fun with this with some eye-opening facts. You know, there are about 295 million smartphone users in the U.S. alone. The average American spends 5.4 hours a day on their smartphones, and two and a half of those hours are spent on social media. Now, this is wild here. 13% of millennials spend over 12 hours a day on their phone. Now, I really hope that 13% owns those blue light glasses, right? But let's talk about our devices for a moment. Whether you've got an iPad or a laptop or a smartphone, you know that over time they begin to lose their speed, their capacity, and their functionality. When these devices get down to about 5 to 10%, they really start to get unreliable. Well, think of the Sabbath as a recharge for your soul, where you unplug from the hustle of everyday life and you plug in to the presence of God. So why do we not do the Sabbath? Well, I think honestly what keeps some of us from resting is that we don't think we need it. Or worse, we think that we can't afford it. You know, I'm guilty of this. About 10 years ago, I started to implement Wednesday as my weekly Sabbath, but really I was just trading my full-time job for a bunch of side hustles on Wednesday. At the time, I was working as a worship director and campus pastor at National Community Church, and so whenever I took a day off, I spent the whole day producing outside projects or taking on odd jobs just to earn extra income. And this is part of that curse that I mentioned earlier. This is what we have to understand. My identity was so wrapped up in my work that I thought if I took a day off, I lost my value. I'm not making any money here. I'm not producing any goods or services. So what worth am I bringing to the table? But listen, Sabbath helps restore our value and teaches us our true identity. It's resting in the goodness of God where all of our value comes from in the very first place. You've heard it said, we're not human doings, we're human beings. Restlessness is nonstop doing, but rest is simply being. St. Augustine so eloquently said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And yet the idea of rest is certainly a foreign concept for our culture in 2021. You know, Harvard Business Review did a study on the change in social status in America. It used to be that leisure and rest were actually signs of social status. Uh, advertisements in the 50s and 60s used to show wealthy people enjoying a day off on the golf course or on their yacht. But nowadays, commercials show the rich and powerful uh, working nonstop, and it shows them never taking a break. In fact, one of my favorite NFL players of all time, Troy Palomalu, is in a 
commercial with a shampoo company and he repeatedly says this phrase throughout the commercial, never not working. And isn't that the mantra of our society? In his highly acclaimed book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, John Mark Comer talks about the disintegration of Sabbath in American culture. He writes that up until the 1960s, and in some places, even up until the 90s, blue laws forced businesses to close shop on Sundays. In many towns, the only place open on Sunday was church. And as the pace of business and culture progressed at a rapid pace, the Sabbath lost its place in American culture. Comer writes that we lost more than a day of rest. We lost a day for our souls to open up to God. Sabbath teaches us to rest and also to rely. You know, in the Sabbath, we rely fully on the goodness of God as our provider. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Coming back to our identity struggle, we tend to find our worth in what we do rather in whose we are. We often work for acceptance rather than working from a place of acceptance. We've got to find our identity in Christ alone. And from that, everything else will fall into place. You know, before anything else in your pedigree, you are a son or a daughter of God. And that's a pretty good resume. So we've got to rely on his mercy, his strength, his timing, and his provision. But our default setting is to rely on ourselves, to try to make everything happen in our timing and in our strength. One way that God practically taught the Israelites how to rely fully on him was when it came to manna. Think about manna as Cinnabon and Five Daughters Bakery without all the calories, right? I mean, it was literally bread from heaven. Along with quail, manna was what gave the Israelites sustenance in the desert place. Every morning, it would appear on the ground as a dew-like substance. The Israelites would collect it and make bread every morning except the Sabbath. Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots. Good thing, right? Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? You know, so often we can be like the people that went out on day seven looking for manna, but finding none. And we work nonstop and we come up empty handed. Why? Because nothing satisfies in this world. The more drive and ambition you have to achieve more, oftentimes it just leaves you wanting more. It's like the carrot in front of the horse. We've got to rely on God and trust in him for what we need. Okay, so with all of this backdrop of the Old Testament, I want to bring us to Jesus, and I want to share three passages from the New Testament as we close out today. These are passages and applications about the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements 
of the Sabbath. You know, right here, Jesus is saying, don't make the Sabbath an idol. Sometimes we can get so legalistic about beautiful things that God established in Scripture that we miss the entire point. You know, at this time, the religious crowd was pointing out the fact that Jesus' disciples were picking grains uh, to eat on the Sabbath day as if this was too much work to do. And the religious leaders would often try to trap Jesus with, with questions like, is it okay to do good things on the Sabbath? They were missing the entire point of why God gave us the Sabbath in the first place. So we can't get legalistic about the Sabbath and make it an idol. Let's go to Romans chapter 14, verse 5. Paul writes, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should fully be convinced in their own mind. And Paul is writing to the early church because they were placing some days on pedestals as if they were more special to God than other days. And listen, he's saying it's not necessarily the particular day that the Sabbath is tied to. It's the ideal. Now, I know in 2021, we all have different work schedules. So I would encourage you to find a day in your weekly rhythm that works for you to take a Sabbath. Again, we can't get legalistic about particular days, right? And finally, Hebrews 4 verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Enter the rest that God has for you today. Rest in His goodness and mercy. Rely on His grace and His provision. When we do that, we go back to that shalom in the Garden of Eden. Our souls have a chance to open up to our Heavenly Father. And once again, we return to our identity as sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.